Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. The 49ers have their second round uh, opponent. It's the Dallas Cowboys. Now, this time, it's at Levi Stadium. Me and Rob Guerrero here are going to break it all down for you right after this. Welcome back, everybody, to the channel and the Rohan Chakravarti show. Today, I've got a special guest, Rob Stats Guerrera of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Rob, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you as well. And so today, we're going to be talking some 49ers Cowboys. But before we get into that, we got to break down the matchup that we just had. The 49ers defeating the Seahawks 41-23 to in a pretty much a blowout game throughout the second half after it was fairly close in the first half. Rob, what was kind of your thoughts going into that game, and did you think the Seahawks gave a bigger battle than you uh, than than imagined at first? Well, once they went into halftime and the Seahawks had the lead, I was really surprised. But I, what really shocked me the most is just the way this offense comes at you in waves. I mean, it's yeah. it used to be the 49ers' plan was get up by multiple scores and hang on for dear life till the end of the game. And now it's like, if you stop the opponent twice, the game is over because this offense is going down the field and they're putting up points every single time they get the ball. It's really amazing how it's flipped from the beginning of the year. Right. And I mean, in, in a way, the 49ers offense, while it has been good in years past, it's never been said that the 49ers offense was kind of the backbone of the team. It's always been the defense. And this year, regardless of how you think of the 49ers offense or defense, which unit is better, you can't say that the 49ers offense doesn't necessarily or doesn't contribute to the games as much as it has in years past. Because this year, this 49ers offense, they're scoring, I think with Brock Purdy, they've scored 30-plus points per game in several of their outcomes. They score at a high rate. They're one of the best offenses in the league, and they're powered by not only a successful passing attack, but a strong rushing attack as well. They're a, multi they're a multifaceted, balanced attack, which is what the 49er fans have wanted for so long with this team. And so you're right. It's like when one side isn't necessarily working to uh, the wonders that it is working, the other side is working well. But I do want to narrow down on Brock Purdy and his first half in which 
really was one of his uh, worst halves of football as a 49er. Now, that's still saying something given that he wasn't necessarily too bad. 9 of 19, still at 146 passing yards. But what do you think of that first half and really the change that came with the first half? I thought that he looked like playoff Jimmy Garoppolo in the first half. I mean, literally the first pass of the game, he drops back to pass. And it's just, it's not even close, right? It's the throw that Trey Lance has been accused of making where it's just not accurate. Doesn't give the receiver a chance to make the play. I think he was a little amped up early on. Uh, and which is only natural. Like we forget, you know, rookie quarterback just turned 23 years old. It was his first playoff game at home. The crowd was going nuts. Like it's understandable. Um, but the difference between playoff Brock in that first half and playoff Jimmy was that Brock's bad first half included two touchdowns and no interceptions. Jimmy Garoppolo did not do that when he was playing at his worst in the playoffs. So that's obviously a massive, massive difference for the 49ers. Agreed. And I mean, the other part about Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo, Purdy bounced back. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But in the first half, you're right. There were the accuracy struggles. He only threw, uh, he only completed nine of 19 passes, but I got to give credit to Kyle Shanahan here for instilling confidence in his quarterback, something we necessarily hadn't seen in the playoffs before. It had always been somewhat of a run centric approach uh, to playoff games, especially to start. Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't know how many, what the maximum passes he's thrown before, but he's had a lot of games where he's thrown under 20 passes in a playoff game for the 49ers. And it, he's also thrown a turnover in, in the in he's had a turnover in five of his six playoff games. Purdy in this performance good, obviously, uh in the second half, but also took care of the football. That was the number one thing that was important. And with him arguably playing his worst football uh half of, with the 49ers, they were still in the game down by one point. And that was also with the defense not really playing very well. And so what did you kind of see in the change from Brock Purdy first half to second half that propelled the 49ers to this win? Well, one of the things I thought was huge was actually the Niners get the ball first to start the second half, and they end up going on a 13-play drive. Ten of those 13 plays were runs. So I think Kyle kind of realized, like, hey, we got to settle Brock down. We can run on the Seahawks. They had the ball for almost, oh, I think it was seven and a half minutes, basically half of the entire third quarter, and they drove all the way down the field, and, and one thing they did that they – weren't really doing in the first half is they actually got a touchdown. They didn't settle for the field goal. Right. They stuck it in the end zone. I thought that was massive because obviously, number one, it gave the 49ers the lead. Number two, it settled Brock down. And number three, you took up half of the third quarter. And so the combination of those three things, it was just such a tone setter for the 49ers. The Seahawks went into the half with all the momentum after that stupid swib kick and the stupid Jimmy Ward penalty. They stole a field goal, so they're like, oh, yeah, we're good. We're, you know, we can do it. And then the Niners come right out in the third quarter and just steamroll them and retake the lead. Exactly. And it was interesting because this is exactly how Kyle Shanahan kind of wanted the half to end with the 49ers scoring, going up, and then getting the ball in the second half. Obviously, it didn't work out that way with the squib kick call that Shanahan himself said was stupid. And then the horrendous penalty that followed it that gave – Perfect field position for Jason Myers to kick the field goal and give the Seahawks the lead. But still, the plan apart from that still worked to perfection. 49ers come out and impose their will in the second half. You said it, that long second seven-minute drive with the amount of runs as well. Purdy, you'd seen what he had had, and you'd also seen the bit of struggles. The perfect way to, to balance that out? Well, 
start utilizing the run game, help Purdy out by getting the, uh, getting, you know, not necessarily more open looks, but getting more confidence in himself, understanding that if he's not working, the run game is working and you can continue forward with that. The 49ers had a strong uh, opening possession and really never looked back after that. The defense started coming into gear and the 49ers offense kept on a roll. Purdy obviously ended with the four touchdowns, the most of any rookie in a postseason in postseason history, and 332 yards. Really a strong, strong second half overall. Oh, he was incredible in the second half. Nine of 11 for Brock Purdy. He ended up throwing for the most yards in the playoffs of any 49ers quarterback not named Joe Montana. And, you know, we're not talking about, you know, an organization like, let's say, the Jaguars, who don't exactly have a rich playoff history. We're talking about the Niners with Steve Young and Joe Montana and Colin Kaepernick, Jeff Garcia, guys that have had really, really good playoff games. Yet Brock Purdy is second to only Joe Montana in terms of passing yards. And we saw that stretch that I was talking about earlier, right? Niners go touchdown, Seahawks fumble, Niners get the ball, touchdown, Seahawks punt, Niners get the ball touchdown they scored three touchdowns in 10 offensive plays in the second half against the Seahawks and that's that's the game right there exactly and it wasn't like they they got hand-me-downs those three drives that you were talking about I believe a 13 play 75 yard drive to begin the quarter then it was a seven play 70 yard drive and then obviously the two play 76 yard drives three long touchdown drives that the Niners were able to get it down tee off on the Seahawks and the game changed just like that. Defense, all they needed was one stop. One stop, put that game into a two-possession game, 31-17. to 17, And then you get one more stop on top of that after D'Amico Ryan starts to understand what the Seahawks are doing. Well, guess what? It's 38-17 just like that in a, in a span of a few minutes. It was a complete, and it's funny because we say D'Amico Ryan's adjusted, yet if you listen to the 49ers players after the game, multiple players said, we made zero adjustments. Dre Greenlaw said it. I think Fred Warner said it, and, and at least one other player, maybe it was Armstead. They said, we didn't make any adjustments in the second half. And Kyle had an interesting comment. And, you know, this is something that he talked about down the stretch. So the Niners clinched on Thursday night against Seattle, and that was sort of like unfamiliar territory for them. Usually under Kyle Shanahan, we are white knuckling it down to the last play right. in the last game of the regular season. This case, this year, it wasn't the case. They clinched the division. They still had weeks to go. And I think nobody really knew how to handle that. Kyle talked about it with the broadcast teams. He wasn't really in love with that situation. And I think the players were, for lack of a better word, kind of, I don't want to say numb, but they it took them a half to realize, like, wait a minute. This is the playoffs. This is real. If we lose, we go home. They haven't, they weren't in that kind of like back against the wall mode in a long time. And so I think it took a half to snap into it. And then once they did, we saw what happened. The Seahawks didn't score until the end of the game when they got a meaningless touchdown and the 49ers didn't punt in the second half. And that's something very important, right? When you have essentially just keeping your foot on the gas. Kyle Shanahan obviously been a part of that. And the biggest moment really to me was when they were able to pull their starters, pulling your starters in a playoff game, not something normal. And especially not under Kyle Shanahan. We've seen, I mean, Brandon Staley tried that strategy and he ended up losing the game in a monstrous game. But now let's flip it over to the other side. Brock Purdy obviously had struggles in the first half, but the 49ers defense, they also were a bit up and down. Traverius Ward, DK Metcalf, a well-anticipated matchup. And Traverius Ward, well, 
he had the he, he kind of got the brunt of the stick in this one. Gave up six catches for 98 yards. Talk to me about the struggles defensively in the first half and how they really shut the Seahawks offense out in the second half. Yeah, the first half, I think you could see they just weren't quite as sharp in the second half. They weren't swarming the way they usually swarm. And yeah, I mean, DK Metcalf is a really good player. And Traverius Ward had really shut him down in the first two matchups. And so DK got him this time. You know, like sometimes that's going to happen. Good players are going to make plays against you. And the thing with the Niners, though, they they don't panic ever. They, they You never get the sense that they are freaking out. Right. That, I think, just comes from all the playoff experience that they have had. And the other thing, too, and this is sort of weird, but it's true. If you go back and look, this Niners defense can give up monster games to wide receivers. And it mm-hmm. doesn't really seem to matter. They still blow people out. Cooper Cup roasts the 49ers every time they play the Rams. Yet the Niners always crush the Rams. Devontae Adams always goes off against the 49ers. Niners can beat the Packers when he was there and beat the Raiders with Devontae Adams going off. And we saw it again this weekend, right? DK Metcalf has a fantastic game, absolutely great game. And yet the Niners blow the Seahawks out. It's really weird how it happens, but it it doesn't really seem to be an issue for them. Right. It's somehow they, they, they're immune to these high, high volume, uh, high production type of receivers where they'll get a good amount of catches. But when you isolate DK Metcalf's production, right, he had a 74 yard touchdown uh, off of Traverius Ward. And apart from that, he has 62 yards and he has nine catches under nine or under what is that under seven yards per catch? And that's how the Niners kind of uh, focused in this game. DK Metcalf had a couple of good catches, but a lot of it also was short of the sticks. The Niners, like you said, they have this swarming strategy where once the receiver gets the ball, you're not getting any yards after the catch. They get right to the ball, and that's how they forced offenses to really move slowly and slowly up the field, understanding that the Niners defense is going to make a play at some point during those long drives. And so to me, that's where the Niners defense really has worked throughout the entirety of this year. Now in the first half, you are right. I thought that they were a little late swarming to the ball. I thought the Seahawks did find a, a couple of holes in their zone defense, and that's where they were able to get these small uh, small passes and get into field goal range and get these, uh, get these two scores. Uh, that they did in the first half. But in the second half, they didn't necessarily adjust, but they were getting there quicker and they were really shutting down uh, some of those holes in the zone scheme that they gave up in the first half. Yeah, and even the first half, when you look at it, like they had the one drive, right? 14 plays, 78 yards. And then they had the one play, right? The the 50-yard pass to DK Metcalf. That was really it. So it was really like one drive and one play that the Niners defense gave up. And so it's just, we've become accustomed to them just dominating everybody. So when the other team scores a touchdown or two, we're like, whoa, what's going on? Like, no, most teams around the league give up many touchdowns during a game. So I think we are kind of spoiled a little bit, but look, we saw in the second half when they play to their potential. And I think this goes for the whole Niner team. If you told me we're going to get every team's best game, the Niners are going to the Super Bowl because when the Niners play their absolute best, I don't think there's a team in the NFC that can beat them. And that's fair. And that's fair. And the second team that the Niners are going to face on the path to the Super Bowl 
is the Cowboys. And the 49ers, well, we found out yesterday how uh, who they're going to play. The Cowboys had a phenomenal game, 31-6, to good performance, offense and defense. Just off the jump, what are you thinking about this matchup? And do you think the Niners – or how, how do you think this matchup goes? I think the Cowboys spent their whole offseason trying to be the 49ers, right? We chewed them up and spit them out on their own field last year. In the offseason, they were like, oh, man, we got to get a lot tougher. We, the 49ers showed us you know, what it means to play playoff football, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what? Here you are again, Dallas Cowboys. And once again, we're going to show you what a real team looks like. I know you can talk about what no, the Cowboys defense and how scary their defense is and Micah Parsons and all of that stuff. But under Brock Purdy, like you said earlier, Niners have been scoring 34 points a game. So to beat this team, you got to score five touchdowns against our defense. Good luck. That's tough. That is very tough. And the 49ers, like you said, this is a solid matchup for them. The Cowboys do possess, I think, the biggest threat of the three teams they could have faced with the Minnesota Vikings, the Buccaneers, and the Cowboys. There's a reason they're facing the Cowboys. It's because the Vikings, well, they showed their their true colors when they lost <laughs> the New York Giants. The Buccaneers, well, we dismantled them in week 14. That team was just not good. They won the division because they were in a weak division. They're just not a good, a well-comprised team, and the Dallas Cowboys showed why. Now, the Cowboys aren't a bad team. They are one of the best. They're probably the third best NFC team behind the Eagles and the 49ers. But the Cowboys also, they've got to match the 49ers physicality. They've got to, in a way, play to the 49ers in this game. And now the 49ers are playing at home as well. This is going to be an interesting matchup. And I'm wondering, where do you think the Cowboys give the 49ers trouble? Well, where everybody gives the 49ers trouble, and that's deep passing. Dak mm -hmm. can throw it deep. CD Lamb can get deep. Maybe T.Y. Hilton could get deep. I don't know. But the Niners have given up now, I want to say, eight touchdowns of 50, passing touchdowns of 50 yards or more. That's the wow. most in the NFL. So you can get to the 49ers deep. But I also think part of that from D'Amico Ryan's standpoint is I think he would tell you, yeah, you can get one. You know, you we might give up one, but you're not going to be able to do that consistently all game long. And like I said, if you're going to beat the 49ers, you got to get five of those. Five is a lot. And we <laughs> just saw the Seahawks game. They got one. They couldn't get one more play of a similar caliber at all in the rest of the game. The 49ers, like you said, they might give up one. You're going to give up coverage busts. You're going to give up these coverage mishaps. Those happen. But they only gave up one. To me, where the Cowboys give trouble, you said it. Their deep passing game, but also Dak Prescott as a uh, as a pocket passer. What I want the 49ers to do, me and my co-host Marco talked about this yesterday. What, what I want the 49ers to do, don't blitz Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL against the blitz. He actually is one of the more successful ones this year. Uh, top 10, I believe, in completion percentage, passer rating, and uh, a couple of other stats against the blitz. The 49ers have shown they can rush for and get to the quarterback. Now, they weren't as successful this past week, and Nick Bosa didn't have a pressure, but they were going, uh, they can get to the quarterback. That's something that they've proven. And I think that they're best when they can drop those other seven back into coverage and force Dak Prescott to make tough throws because that's where he will struggle more so against than against the Blitz. And so to me, that's where I'm looking the 49ers to. Uh, to to kind of utilize that sort of game plan because the Cowboys can give the trouble if the 49ers blitz. 
and the 49ers defense is kind of set up to get pressure without having to blitz. I know they do blitz sometimes right. on third down, but really in a perfect world, what D'Amico Ryans wants to do is send Armstead and Kinlaw and Bosa and Ebucam after you and let everybody else cover. That's the perfect scenario. Four rushers, seven in coverage, because we all know the secondary is the weakest part of this defense. And so the Niners are built to be able to play that kind of game. We're just going to have to see what Dak shows up. Are we going to see the Dak that we saw against right. the Buccaneers where he was pretty much damn near perfect? He was played a fantastic game. Or are we going to see the Dak Prescott that was throwing hideous interceptions? And I know some of them were off his receiver's hands, but some of them weren't. Some of them were directly to defenders. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to see which Dak shows up. Yeah. And on the flip side, where do you think the 49ers are better off in this matchup against the, the Dallas Cowboys? I think the first of all, on the ground, the Cowboys have not been a team that is, you know, stout against the run. They give up 130 rush yards per game. So right there, that's an area where the 49ers are going to attack. And if the Niners can get anything on the ground moving, you know that Kyle Shanahan is going to use that against them with the play action and pick up chunk yardage down the field. And the other thing I'm kind of interested to see, and I don't know, I wouldn't say I'm confident because uh, Brock Purdy actually made me a little nervous against the Seahawks. Seems like every time he scrambles, he goes left. I can barely remember him going to his right. So if he has that kind of tendency, that could be an issue. But if he doesn't, I actually feel a little better about the game because the Cowboys can rush the passer. But if Brock can scramble a little bit and extend plays, that negates that advantage possibly. And so I'm interested to see, you know, does he just panic way too early and keep going left, left, left. Cause like he was in the first half, he was kind of bailing out of some clean pockets or does he play sort of a little more under control now after having a playoff game under his belt and, you know, kind of getting his bearings a little bit. If he settles down and does that, then I think the Niners will be in a much better spot. I think so too. And you are right. The Cowboys aren't a great run defense team. They give up 129 yards. Like you said, that's 22nd in the NFL. And when you looked at the game last night, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers don't have a good offensive line, yet Rashad White, in his seven carries, was able to rush for 5.9 yards per carry. It's actually interesting that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't rely on Rashad White more uh, more often early on and instead went to their quick passing game. The 49ers, though, they're going to look to exploit that matchup. And the Tamp- uh, really, the, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, while they couldn't, the 49ers can because they have the offense to keep up with the Dallas Cowboys to where they can keep a balanced approach for pretty much the entire game. The 49ers look to exploit that matchup against the Seattle Seahawks this past weekend after obviously uh, uh, utilizing the air game a lot early on, instilling confidence in Brock Purdy. The 49ers still ended up running 33 times and rushed for 181 yards. And that's also with Elijah Mitchell not really having an efficient game. When you you, uh, take out his stats, the 49ers were really efficient on the ground. I wouldn't be surprised if I saw a similar game plan this week or last week Sorry, this week to la- uh, to last week, in that mm-hmm. 49ers look to test the Dallas Cowboys deep early on, give Proc Purdy kind of the the green light, and then look to pound in the running game a little bit afterwards, and look to focus in the running game and really wear down the Dallas Cowboys as the game goes on. And you talked about the rushing attempts. The Niners only had ten rushing attempts in the first half. So of the what was it, thirty carries they had, thirty three carries in the game. I mean, most of those came in the second half. What I think you're going to see is I think you're going to see Kyle try and break one exactly like they did against the Seahawks. It kind of worked out great for them. The first carry that Christian McCaffrey had, he ran for 68 yards. 
And then I, so I think that scared the hell out of the Seahawks. And they were like, oh man, okay. Because if you watched, it was very similar to how defenses played Jimmy Garoppolo because I complained about it earlier this year. Go watch the TV copy. You can literally count every Seahawks defender in the screen before the snap. That's how close to the line of scrimmage they were playing. And I think the fact that McCaffrey ripped that off early kind of shocked the Seahawks into being like, all right, they're going to run on us. We got to clamp down. We can't give it up. And then Brock made him pay through the air. And that's what we could see against the Cowboys, too. If the Niners can break a couple runs early, whether it's Debo or Christian McCaffrey, then you can start to see the passing game open up. I agree. And I think the 49ers are starting to prepare for that. We did see an increased amount of usage for Debo Samuel, a guy who I'm not going to say had been taken out of the game plan because that's not true. But with the amount of uh, with really Brandon Ayuk's emergence, with the George Kittle uh, intensified focus with Brock Purdy at quarterback, and then also uh, obviously Christian McCaffrey taking up a good amount of volume, Debo Samuel was not as high of an option as he had been in before, rather serving as a safety blanket, kind of with that low average depth of target. This game, though, Debo Samuel, six catches, 133 yards, including the 74-yard touchdown, and also three carries out of the backfield. It seems like the 49ers are preparing for more usage of Debo Samuel following his injury. And again, what does Debo bring? physicality that's what you kind of want against this in this matchup to wear down this Cowboys defense just like Debo Samuel did a year ago when he really sealed the deal with his 32 yard touchdown and for the love of God don't twist his leg Cowboys we saw what happened when the Seahawks tried to do that it fired everybody up it's amazing that Debo's even playing I actually went back just because I was going to razz some Cowboy fans I know because the Niners I think beat the Buccaneers more soundly than the Cowboys did and I just went back and it was just, he gets rolled up by his leg turns into a pretzel. And the fact that he's playing right now and came back in the regular season and played is incredible. So I think yeah. there's, you know, I think Debo is, is sort of rounding into form a little bit. And I think you're going to see him featured more and more. There were a couple of big third downs in that game against Seattle where Debo had to make a catch and run to get the first down, including the one where he got his leg twisted. Um, and he made those plays and obviously made the 74 yarder. He is such a weapon, and he's one of the guys that really sets the tone physically for the 49ers. Kittle does it, but Debo absolutely does. There was one play. I can't remember who it was. Was it? I don't think it was Parsons. Maybe it was Diggs. Somebody tried to really unload on Debo early in that game, in the playoff game against the Cowboys last year, and they came with everything they had, and they charged in, and boom, they laid a big lick on Debo, and he didn't even fall down. He took like one step back and went out of bounds. And right then it was just like, yeah, there's a difference between trying to be physical and actually being physical. The 49ers showed the Cowboys what that difference was last year. And I think they're going to do it again this year. Yeah, no, that is a big difference. And that's how the 49ers like to play. And so the Cowboys will have to match that style if they want to stay in this game. I have a good comment here from Chris Wall. Dak leads the league in interceptions. He had 15 this year. Didn't play five games. That's right. He only played 12 games, 15 interceptions, five games with multiple interceptions, and he doesn't have a week, two weeks in a row without a turnover this year. Only one regular, I think it was only two regular season games without a turnover this year before this last game. And so stats, the 49ers, very good at generating turnovers. Dak Prescott, on the other hand, a turnover machine this year. Obviously, some haven't been his fault, but some definitely have been his fault with the interceptions. Do you think that that could be a huge part of this game? 
Absolutely. The Niners were tied with the Steelers for 20 interceptions in the regular season. That was the most in the league. The, because part of the reason the Niners get pressure, they affect throws, they tip passes. And, you know, whether or not all those interceptions are Dak Prescott's fault, they still count. I don't care if Dak throws a ball and it bounces off CeeDee Lamb's hands and the Niners intercept it. We still get the ball. So I don't not really worried about the labor pains. I'm worried about the baby. So as long as the Niners can get their mitts on a couple passes, they'll be in good shape. And like we talked about, if the Niners can generate some turnovers, you combine that with the way their offense is playing, then you've got a situation like we saw on Saturday where you can score three touchdowns in 10 plays and that totally changes the game. Then you become one-dimensional. You have to pass, and that's what this defense is set up to attack. Yeah, and one thing to know about the Niners in turnovers, they're the best team in turnover differential this year after yep. really being a middling team last year. And in the 10 games where they've won the turnover battle, well, now you can count 11 with the Seahawks game. They've won every single one of those games. Last year, they only had five games of that matter. This year, they had 11, and they've won every single one of all 16 games that they've had a turnover, uh, a higher turnover differential. Now, to, make, uh, to, to put things into perspective, the Niners have lost four games this year. Those are the four games in which they've had a negative turnover differential. So it's pretty clear that turnover differential is going to be important in this game. And also to note, the Dallas Cowboys, they're the number two team in turnover differential this year. They were the number one team last year. Both teams are known for producing turnovers. So I think that that battle is going to be important. And it also comes down to Dak's play because Dak has been prone to throw interceptions in 2022. Think about that, right? They had all those interceptions from Dak Prescott leading the league, and they're still number two yeah. in turnover differential. So that tells you how good they are at taking the ball away. They've gotten 17 fumble recoveries this year. That is some damn good luck if you're the Dallas Cowboys. So look, and sometimes you have those years where the ball literally just bounces your right. way and, and good for you. But that's been the big difference with Brock Purdy. He has, and he's, he's gotten lucky on some, I admit he's thrown some interceptable passes or had a couple picks overturned by penalty, but if he can take care of the football, that's really all the 49ers are going to need. Cause I think Kyle's going to be dialing it up. There are certain coaches that elevate their game in the playoffs. Doug Peterson is one for the Jaguars. We saw that over the weekend. Yep. I think Kyle Shanahan is the other one. He has been in his bag. The guys that Brock are, is throwing to, they are wide open. There's nobody close to them. Kyle's in his bag. So if Brock takes care of the ball, I don't see how the 49ers offense is going to be stopped. Yeah, I agree. And that leads us, uh, Rob, to our final topic of the day. Keys to winning the game. What do you think they are for the 49ers? How do they shut down the Cowboys? How do they advance to the NFC title game for what? The third time in four years now. Oh, God. Music to my ears. Well, the turnovers, obviously, that's the biggest thing. We've been talking about that. But also, I think it's you got to stop Tony Pollard. And luckily, the 49ers have the best run defense left in the playoffs. But Pollard is really the Cowboys. I think he's their best weapon on offense, really, because CeeDee Lamb that's is fair. really good, but you still have to pass him the ball, right? Tony Pollard, you just turn around and hand it to him. And anybody that watches the Cowboys, except Jerry Jones, apparently, can see that Tony Pollard is way better than Zeke Elliott. Every time the Cowboys hand Zeke the ball, that's a win for the 49ers. Agreed. Pollard is explosive. He can catch passes out of the backfield. He was breaking tackles left, right, and center against Tampa Bay. To me, you, you got to slow down Pollard because you can't let him put the Cowboys ahead of the sticks. They can't be second and five, third and three all the time. 
because that's when they can get creative with their play calling, and that's when Dak can really hurt you. So you got to keep Pollard under control. That puts the Cowboys in second and eight, third and long, and that's hopefully, from a 49ers perspective, how you can slow them down. Rob, you're absolutely right. I mean, just in this past game, Tony Pollard had 15 carries, 77 yards. uh, Zeke Elliott, he had a similar amount, 13 carries, only 27 yards. Zeke Elliott rushed for just 2.1 yards per carry. It's a win every time he touches the football because he's not really that much of a receiving threat anymore with that slack of speed at the moment. Even in the regular season, Tony Pollard had 193 carries. Zeke had nearly 40 more, 231. Tony Pollard, though, rushed for a lot more yards, over 1,000 yards. He had five yards per carry. Zeke only had 3.8. It's clear who the better running back is, and it seems like the Cowboys are going to kind of tilt towards Tony Pollard more. At least that's what it seemed like after this game. And so if that's the case, the 49ers are going to have probably their second toughest opponent in the running game this year behind Josh Jacobs and Tony Pollard. They're going to find they're going to have to find a way to shut him down because Pollard can create even when their rushing lanes aren't there. That's something that he has, and he also has the requisite speed. So I think this is going to be a test on the linebackers who need to have the good angles. Gray Greenlaw, Fred Warner need to have good angles to the running back, especially on the outside, in order for the 49ers to fill, uh, to, to really shut this game down. They feel well in the gap scheme. How are they going to do with the outside run? That's going to be a question that we see this weekend. And I think they'll respond. I really do. I think they're going to be ready for it. I think D'Amico, you know, I don't love the fact that he has like four meetings with teams lined up this week, but there's nothing you can do about that. He absolutely has to go on those meetings. It's not his fault. That's when they are. I'm not criticizing him in any way, but he'll be ready. D'Amico's a professional. I think this defense now is back into, you know, playoff mode, kind of back against the wall type mode. So I think they're going to come out ready. You know, the Levi's crowd is just going to be, insane and I think everybody's going to be pumped up and I expect the Niners to rise to the challenge there we go I'll be there for sure and uh it's going to be a fun game before we head on out we got a super chat real quick from 49ers first takes Aaron one of my guys he asked will the 49ers offense to continue to outshine the defense or will the defense return to early season form what do you think how about they both kick ass Could we have that? Could we have the offense playing like they've been playing down the stretch where they score 34 points a game and the defense from earlier in the year when they were allowing like 11 points for the first five weeks of the season? We can have both. We don't have to choose one or the other. Yeah, I I agree. And to me, I don't even think that this is an indictment on the defense, but I just think the 49ers offense right now has it's it, like exceeded expectations beyond reality with the 34 points that they're putting up with Brock Purdy. If even if the defense returns to early season form, I don't know if uh, I don't know if the 49ers offense is not outshining them just because of the way that they score and the amount that they score. So I agree. How about both? Because the 49ers defense after that, uh, really after one mishap yet last week, they they shut down the the entire Seattle Seahawks offense. Seattle scored what only. I think it was only 16 point or they scored 23 in total, but you take away that, that 170 50 yard touchdown from DK Metcalf, that's 16 points. That's a very good mark for the 49ers amongst what they've really been doing the entire year. And again, six of those points came at the very end of the game. So take it how you want, but I think the 49ers offense is at, at really playing very well. And the defense, well, they showed that they were a strong defense last weekend against one of the better offenses in the NFL. 
I'm seeing a lot of Micah Parsons talk in your chat here. I'm not scared of Micah Parsons. Where, was he, Did he play in the playoff game last year? I can't remember because Micah Parsons was a ghost out there. All right. I'm not worried about Micah Parsons. So spare me with that. He had his chance last year and I couldn't find him out there on the field. Kyle's going to be ready for Micah Parsons. The only play that I remember from Michael Parsons last year was the one where Brandon Ayuk blocked him into reality, <laughs> and then the 49ers scored the touchdown. That's the only play I remember, really, from Michael Parsons. Yeah, so, okay, like, let's see it, Micah, because last time you had your chance and I couldn't find you. I mean, you had just as good of a game as Nick Bosa, and Bosa missed the game with a concussion. So, let's see it. <sighs> I love it, I love it, I love it. But, Rob... I thank you so much for joining me for this uh, morning talk here on this Tuesday. 49ers-Cowboys, Sunday at 3.30. It's going to be a fun game. Any last thoughts before we head on out of here? I um, cannot wait. It's the old enemy. Let's go. The revenge tour for the Niners continues, right? Last week, Seattle. This yep. week, Dallas. Could be the Giants in the NFC Championship game. Who knows? And, and Niner fans of the a certain revenge age. Revenge tour was... from 2010? Oh, boy. That's right. I mean, the, they certainly have Niner-Giant playoff moments. So let's keep it going. And uh, make sure you check out everything we're doing over at Niners Nation and the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Perfect. Go on, check out Rob's stuff. He does a lot of good work over there at Niners Nation and with the Podcast Network. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been a pleasure. And all of you guys in the chat, I appreciate you guys a lot. We'll be back very soon with some more content, maybe a film review later today. But for now, take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.